Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Halo, halo, what's up everybody? Welcome to another fantastic Sacred Saturday here at the Sacred Icon podcast where we talk about all things Halo, mostly nostalgia because, you know, the seeds of our future are sown in our past. <laughs> anyway, guys, it's me, your buddy, your pal, your friend. Brian's cracking a smile. We're, we're, we're good. We're ready to go here. It's, it's early. I'm Jovial Joshua Hargis, and join with me, as always, is my buddy, my pal, my friend, the Frodo to my Halbrand, uh, and the guy uh, that was just getting his butt beat, apparently, on uh, Demon Souls? Demon yep. Souls? Brian Arvett. Brian, how's that, how's that Demon Souls going? Well, it's a love-hate relationship, but it's it's always a net positive in the end. But a right now I'm positive. shooting a dragon 300 times over the course of 45 minutes. I'm sure you've all been there if you played Souls. So <laughs> Stephen Hawes will be like, yup. Yup. Been there. Um, been there. Yeah, but guys, so today we thought we'd do an interesting kind of spin on a Halo episode because it is a Halo episode, but we're not going to really talk about Halo much. Um you know, a big reason why we did a Halo podcast and why we're so into Halo is because when Halo came out, it was this revolutionary game that blew us away, and it was like we'd never played anything like this before, and it just became it just became kind of like the apex of gaming, right? Like, there's gaming, and then there's a new Halo release, and that's how it was for a while. But uh, as time's gone on, you know, the franchise has been around for 22 years almost now. Um, many games have come out since Halo. Many. And um, some games come out and we just, you know, some games came out after Halo and we liked them. And that was just what, that's all it was. But other games came out that got on that level of Halo, like series and franchises or, or moments in gaming where it was like, it reached the heights of Halo. And uh, that's that's kind of like ties into how me and Josh feel when we do this podcast a lot. We're always like, we love Halo. Halo's amazing. We love talking about Halo. But we also love a lot of other games too, and we like talking about other things as well. And like sometimes we just get frustrated with how much, uh, you know, some of the biggest Halo fans. It seems like they they only want to talk about Halo, or they'll talk about another game and they'll be like, you know, what was awesome about Geralt? Well, a lot of things, but he wasn't a Spartan, so he could have been cooler. And it's like, <laughs> come on yeah. now, um, hyperfixation can be real. Sometimes. Yeah. So we're mostly going to talk about franchises or gaming moments that came out after Halo that reached that level for us um there's i'm sure we both have a couple things we can touch on real quick that came before you know for me zelda uh, zelda is kind of the thing that i was really into before halo like zelda is definitely up there with halo 
But that was before Halo. It was like Halo came out, and it was like, okay, nothing matters other than Halo. Um, Josh, is, was there any games that were like up there on that level for you before Halo, or was Halo kind of the first like major game? Franchise-wise, it was probably just Elder Scrolls. Okay. Yeah. With like Morrowind? Yeah. Yeah, because Morrowind was the first one I ever played, so and had a great time with that. But yeah, other than that, I mean, I guess Star Wars games, but I don't count that because Star Wars has just always been a yeah. part of my life. So yeah, so Halo was kind of first the first big like here's a big franchise I'm going to be looking forward to forever mm-hmm. type thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. So to kind of lay out like I'm going to say rules, but really we can do whatever we want. But like to lay out the kind of the rules, the the plan here is like there's been plenty of games that came out after Halo. So if I say like for instance, I really love games like Dishonored. Or Wolfenstein: The New Order, really amazing games I played that came out after Halo. But those aren't the kind of games. How specific Brian is! I love how specific yeah. you are with that. Though that one Wolfenstein game. Yeah. The, oh yeah. Not Young Blood. Not New Colossus. No. 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 I know you got uh, some those, love for Old Blood though. But go ahead. Yeah. Those are those are really good games I love that came after Halo. But we're trying to specifically call out moments that were up there on Halo's level. Dishonored, uh, Wolfenstein, great games. They weren't up there on that Halo level. So we're going to touch on just those type of moments. The point of this is to make it like what games and franchises and stuff have been really special that have come up or even maybe surpassed. I don't know if, if that's going to be a thing for either of us for Halo, but uh, I'll say one and then me and Josh can talk about it. And then Josh will say one. We can talk about it. And we'll just kind of go through it. It'll be about an hour uh, and talk about it. So I'm going to start us right off on one. I know we're both on the same page with the first franchise game, whatever, that came po- in a post Halo world that felt up there with Halo, put me on that level Halo moment, was Gears of War. Yep. That was going to be my first pick. That was that was. pick, too. I, I, I don't want to say that was my Halo killer, but that was my Halo killer at yeah. the time. Yeah, it was... It was 2000... When, go ahead. Well, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Josh, but like, oh, you're good. It, was, good. it was one of those things where I got a 360... And and Halo Three wasn't out yet, so it's like, what game should I get? What game should I get? Oh, everyone talks about this Gears of War game, but it doesn't look that good to me. I don't know. I'm, I don't care. And then I was like, okay, fine, I'll buy it. I bought a used copy so I could return it if I didn't like it. Me and my brother sat down, played co-op, just like you did with Halo, right? You got Halo and you played co-op with your siblings or whatever. Sat down, played Gears, played co-op. I was having fun. I guess pretty cool. Having fun, pretty cool, you know. And then and then it wasn't until I've said on the podcast before we got to the Berserker moment. And that Berserker is chasing me and my brother, and it's it's screaming. And me and my brother are like, "Holy shit, he's coming! He's right behind us!" Or then like I one of us would get story. down, and we're like, "Ah!" And there's like, "Give me up! Give me up! Give me up!" And there'll be times where like the Berserker gets you down, and then the Berserker pins you in a wall and just ends up killing you, and you have to restart from checkpoint. And you're like, "Oh my god!" And I remember just getting to that point, and just like after we beat the Berserker, I don't know, we got off to go eat dinner or something, and it was like. It's set in for me. I'm like, I just had another Halo moment. Like, I'm not saying one's better than yeah, the other. Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying they're exactly the same. But I was right. like, the Gears of War universe, the characters, the 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 campaign, the multiplayer, the co-op. The whole package. It, the whole package was just, it was Halo all over again. And it was kind of amazing for me. Um, I know for people who started with Halo right in 2001, it, it, it took five years to get to Gears of War. But for me, I got into Halo in 2004. So it was like... Less than it was about no actually when I got my 360 it was about two years later uh, maybe closer to three I was like Gears of War came up and I'm like man Gears of War is just it's up there and then I and then when it came to time for Gears of War two I was there in the midnight launch for that excited when it came time for Gears of War three me Josh Justin and Creighton were at the midnight launch waiting for Gears of War three you know it was the kind of game you got high for and was that the first for. midnight launch we ever went to together. Uh, Skyrim's I, I was later was. that year. I do remember. Yeah, I think it was because we had we had um, 
we brought chairs and we set up. We were like the first four. Oh line. yeah, the dudes in the back of the truck. They yeah, backed dude truck backed up, up and they had the TV, HDTV, yeah, and we did Gears Two. Yeah, we did one v ones. One v ones outside of GameStop, oh waiting my for Gears Four Three. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, and then it's funny, and I know some of this I've touched on on different random episodes of the podcast, but like, so basically, this, this here's my couple stories with Gears of War. So you have Gears of War One, where I picked it up, used, played it with my brother. We really loved it, and I remember being really anxious when I was playing Gears of War 1 because I had to get, um, I was 15 years old, I had to get shots to go to school that year. And long story short, uh, you know, kids have to get shots every so many years, you know, like your vaccines or whatever. Uh, When you're a baby, you get shots, and then when you're about five years old, you get shots. Well, baby, I don't remember, obviously, but when I was five years old, my mom... Shots, 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 everybody! (laughs) Um, My mom took me in to get shots when I was five, I was so terrified of that needle, and I remember the the doctor telling me he had Lion King and Aladdin band-aids, so it was all going to be okay, and I'm like, <laughs> I'd rather you just keep your damn band-aids, I don't want shots. Uh, and so, I remember getting that talk, too. Right. And like, we got so peanuts band-aids, we got rock I was Yeah, I was kicking and screaming, I don't want these shots, so then the doctor had to bring in other nurses to hold me down, which is traumatizing, but at the same time, I you know, to, to, to give the doctor credit, like, and give my mom credit... You have to give your child these shots. It's for their own health and safety. But I was screaming, kicking, screaming. I'm like, I don't want a needle going in my arm. Well, I got held down. The first needle, the doctor uh, botched it because I was moving so much. He just kind of scratched my arm. And so he put a bandaid over that. Sorry. And they're like, we're going we're gonna to give him a shot on his thighs instead. It's easier to not make a mistake there. So then they held down my legs and they gave me a shot in my thigh. I was screaming and crying. I was crying so loud. The entire doctor's office, the waiting room, everyone could hear me. My mom was so mad and embarrassed at me. And I was like, I don't care if you're mad and embarrassed. I'm five, and I'm scared of these shots. You don't have like, to I'm going to die. I'm going to. I'm dying, Mom. You're, kill, you're killing me. <laughs> um, so anyways, the point of that is is that that was my last experience getting shots was when I was five. And then the month after I got Gears of War 1, I was 15. That's the next time you have to get your routine shots. And I was terrified and gears of war was like what i was confiding in and i remember like not too long after getting gears of war i had to go get those shots i was so scared and what do you know i'm 15 years old and i look the other way i get the shot it's just a tiny pinch no big deal haven't been scared of shots since uh so it was just something you built up in your head but so i had that with gears one and then gears two i was 16 i had my driver's license i told this before in the podcast too it was me uh, Creighton and our friend Caleb, who does the music for Sacred Icon, and we went to the midnight launch. And I'm 16, and I've got a car, and I'm you know I'm in high school, and I'm starting to kind of lash out a bit and be a little edgier because what teenager isn't? And I'm dropping <laughs> I'm dropping f bombs all the time. I'm like, listen, yeah, taking give back a- Sunday in the car. Oh, I was taking back Sunday. Yeah, I was making Sunday my own. Um, yeah, the, the band. <laughs> no, I listened to it too. Um, but uh, so I was cussing and stuff, right? And my little brother was there, and, and Caleb was cussing too. But like, Ooh. my little brother was like, "I never heard my brother cuss before. This is bad." Ooh. So because I was sixteen and Gears of War Two was rated M, my mom had to show up at midnight to let me get the game. And as soon as she shows up, my brother's like, "Brian was cussing and saying the f word and everything." <laughs> and I looked at Creighton with these eyes, and I was like, 
the only thing that's keeping you alive right now is the fact that mom's here. Because if she wasn't, I would choke you out like Bart Simpson. Yeah, I was just getting that mental image of Bart and Homer. Oh, yeah. I was like, you were so... Because he was sitting in my passenger seat. Where he's like a foot from me. And I'm thinking, yeah. like, I would I would murder you right now if mom wasn't there to protect you. And my mom was like, I don't know if we should be letting you go out driving around by your own, Brian, if you're going to be acting like You're giving this. him, like, blah, that blah, blah, Toby blah. McGuire stare in the airport. It's like... Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. Uh, and then to make matters worse, so there was that. Then we get back, and I've told this on the podcast before too, um, and I'm putting it all together here in one kind of gears concise moment. Um, one of the worst friend things I've ever done. I didn't do it like I didn't do it intentionally to be a bad friend, but I did it unintentionally and was a bad friend. We got back to my house, me and Caleb, with gear, two copies of Gears of War two, two 360s, two TVs to co-op that bad boy all night. But I was talking to a girl. So I kept pausing the game to text this girl all the way through the campaign. We wouldn't even make it half a level. I hey, I gotta pause it, man. I gotta respond to this girl. And I'm over there just smiling and texting. And you know Caleb's thinking, I should have got this game myself because Brian's completely ruining this. And oh, Caleb man. says he doesn't even think about it anymore and like that. But I'm just like, I apologize to him routinely because I'm just like, what a dick friend move, you know. But that was Gears of War two, and then Gears of War three was perhaps the best of 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 moments. But it also had a little negative spot, too. So Gears of War 3, it was me, Josh, Creighton, and Justin. We waited outside. Someone had, like, a fake chainsaw bayonet. bayonet I remember uh, there. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was the, we had, like, a, the manager at GameStop had a dunk tank where you could throw and try to dunk him in the tank. And just a big party for Gears of War 3. Good time, doing, man. I remember you got the yeah. Commando Dom skin with a pre-order. Then you got, like, a, yeah. almost like a bumper sticker thing that was something about Gears of War and GameStop. Yep. Power to the players. Rip yeah, and roll. Yeah. But, yeah. It was a great oh. time, and uh, we all got our copies. Uh, Creighton wasn't able to get a copy because Creighton was like uh, 12 years old, didn't have money. So me, Josh, and Justin got a copy. I was like, Creighton, you can co-op with Wait, me. what? He was 12? Yeah. How old was... What? It's been it's been uh, 12 years since that game. Or, it's been a while. 11 years. Yeah, it's been 11 years, Josh, since oh that game God. came out. How old is Creighton now? 23. What the... F- He's 23? Yeah. He's been 21 in my... In my mind, his entire I hate life. I tell you, but time passes, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you don't need to tell me, Brian. I know um, full well, unfortunately. Holy shit, though, that blows my mind. He was 12? He's 12. I don't remember him looking 12. He didn't look 12. Wait a minute. Wait, if Creighton's listening, he's probably like, Brian, I think I got this mixed up. No, he wasn't 12. He was, because I, like I, I would have been 19. Him. He was 15, my bad, dude. Okay, a little older. He Fifteen. He's older I than guess, 23 now. I guess okay. that's crazy. I don't know. I butchered that Creighton. I'm sorry, but whatever. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, so Creighton's like not a true brother. Yeah, not, not true brother. Yeah, that is Creighton. Uh, so we get home, and me, Josh, Justin, and Creighton, we decide we're gonna do four player co op over the campaign. Well, me and Creighton are like rushing through, trying to like we want to consume the story, and Josh and Justin are just trying to have a good time, and it's like we're in two different places, right? Well, then Josh and Justin get off to go play multiplayer. Me and Creighton continue to play campaign co-op together. And then the next morning, I'm like, I'm going to be an awesome brother. I'm going to wake Creighton up. We're going to get in the car. We're going to go to Best Buy. I'm going to spend 65 bucks and buy him his own copy of Gears of War 3. And Creighton was just enamored by my generosity when I got him Gears of War 3. Then as soon as we get home, he takes a copy in his bedroom, shuts the door. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I thought we were going to – what are you doing? I thought we were going to play co-op. He's like – I, I don't want to play with you anymore. I got my own copy. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. You're telling me that we were co-op in this game 
and now I buy you a copy and you don't play with me anymore. It's like, I only played with you because I didn't have my own copy. I'm like, I bought you the copy, you little asshole. <laughs> so from then on, we played the rest of the game separately after I bought him a copy. Um, but yeah, so Gears of War, Gears of War uh, that trilogy was awesome. Amazing moments in multiplayer and co-op and campaign, story, characters. Marcus, Dom, Cole, Baird, Anya. Anya! Uh, great times. Josh, what do you have to say about Gears of War? Uh, yeah, I mean, nowhere near as good of stories as those. I loved hearing those all together, actually. It's going to be fun to listen to. But, yeah, uh, Gears of War 1, my cousin Justin got me into, and uh, it was already out. It was in 2006, and I was hearing so much about it. But it was at that point in time when you're hearing so much about one thing, people, you know, it's, it's being breathe it down your neck that you just like I don't want to hear about it anymore it's it's not as good as Halo you know and then you play it and you're like holy shit it's a eureka moment like I didn't know I could be into this new thing I am and then I then my dad got me a copy of that limited collector's edition in the tin oh man I, yeah. I missed those tin cases for physical games but um yeah and then I just I played through the campaign with Justin in co-op and uh, I, I actually really love the story. I know a lot of people don't like that as time has gone on just because of how like more mysterious it is and how kind of vague and short it is. But I really liked just having the four characters together of, of uh, oh, my God, Dom, Cole, Baird, and uh, and Marcus, and, and God, Hoffman. I, I liked Hoffman even. Yeah. And I, I always remember when I someone – Get that resonator. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I saw someone as him in multiplayer, I knew they were going to be pretty decent. So uh, See, I that thought, usually I thought the whole case. Gears trilogy had a phenomenal story. All three, oh, I do first too. Three. I, I, yeah. I loved them all, even though the second's my least favorite. But I know I'm in the minority on that. I still think it's good. But um, I had so much fun on that, and, and it was the multiplayer that took me away from Halo. Uh, 19 rounds of Griddles, uh, just played those all the time, was hosting matches on there. And there was a big hosting issue where you got, like, advantage in terms of, like, um, your weapon, you know, uh, collision detection, things like that. Um, so a lot of times I, I wouldn't host, we would switch. There was like achievements for like, if you hosted 50 matches and then if you got specific weapon kills. So I ran the gauntlet with several of my friends at the time, just switching between all that stuff and, um, love the maps on there. War machine canals. I mean, escalation was a favorite of mine. I love the maps in that game. Uh, the campaign was just super fun. I loved the ending of it. General Ram was fantastic. Um, and then, yeah, going into the second one, it was crazy because uh, my friend Eric, who I was planning on playing that with, went into boot camp in the Air Force. And then um, I remember writing him, like, I pretty much wrote my own, like, game informer. I, t I just wrote one up, telling him about the game and all there's these new weapons and all this new stuff. And I sent it to him. And I remember to this day, he really, really appreciated that. And that always meant a lot because we were really missing one another. And we had such an experience on the first Gears that it was kind of sad to know he wasn't going to be there for the second. Yeah. But eventually, uh, time came, and, and he was able to, and it just didn't last with us. I played the campaign, beat it, and uh, I didn't like it as much, but I still enjoyed it. And uh, for you guys that are wondering why, because I know most you people, most people tend to view the second one as the best one, narratively. Uh, I just didn't like that it was underground most of the game, but I know it's I know it's great, so I'm no hate. But... Um, Josh is uh, big on aesthetics. Aesthetics <laughs> sway his opinion very, 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 yeah, very much. Yeah. yeah, Brian knows me well, but uh, yeah, and uh, I played a bit of the multiplayer. It was a bit more buggy, I remember, but I did it. I did enjoy the bots. Yeah, multiplayer had severe problems uh, yeah. with like network and bugs. Mm -hmm. But then when Gears Three came out, like Brian said, we all were going to that midnight launch together. At that point, I had only known Brian just a couple months, but we were quickly becoming best buddies. And went to that and did four-player co-op. And yeah, Justin and I, when we were playing that, wanted to play tactically. 
and like you know take cover and work together and stuff because it was four player co-op in gears we'd never done that before so whereas brian and creighton were just droning through it sort of like you know hurry up kill these people on to the next thing we were look we were stopping looking around for cog tags and like oh swing set and brian and creighton are just we're like hold like, on they guys just chainsaw like but eight dudes in a to row to be fair in their defense in their defense because i don't think you mentioned this I think you said something way back about how your parents were asleep, so you guys couldn't even talk much on the mics because they were quiet too. Not only did they mm-hmm. drone through it, but they were completely like you guys were almost completely mute. I remember, but you guys were like, uh, we, we were like, uh, "There's a cocktail back here. Do you guys want it?" And you'd be like, uh, "No, that's fine. That's fine." You know, <laughs> very short spoken, very quiet. But um, it's uh, funny because I hear Hawes talk all the time about how he's a side quest boy, and him and Steve are side quest boys, and I'm like, yeah. skip all collectibles, skip all side quests. Thank you. It it's a main me. story. It killed. Not a true fan. Not a true. Yeah, fan. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, at least that that's our that's our yin and yang, Brian. Is you you play you beat more games, right? I you I would complete say complete more. I play no. I, no, I you, beat you, more. You complete. You beat more. more. I play more of a variety. <laughs> that's about it. I'd say because I play a lot of different games, but I finish very few. You play a ton of games. You beat them. Because of how you approach your games, so. I probably beat like twenty six games a year. Josh probably beats like six. Let's go with that number. <laughs> Let's go with that number. That's that's high. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, God, there was another story I forgot about with uh, with Gears Three. I'm blanking on, but um, oh damn! But with Gears Four, uh, I was pretty excited for that one too. I actually went pretty hard in the multiplayer on that one. Um, I put up a couple montages for Gears Ultimate Edition. Even when that came out, I was so psyched to play See, that. Ultimate, Gears Ultimate Edition is one of only two times where I don't prefer the remaster. Like, well, mm. okay, why is that? Because, like, I guess you could say that about Halo Combat Evolved, but because we don't like the new graphics as much. Yeah. But I still kind of counted that because when I play Halo Combat Evolved, I'm playing the remastered version just with the new graphics off. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, uh, Majora's Mask on 3DS, I don't like it as much as the original. Gears of War, whenever I want to play Gears of War 1, I play the original 360 version because the ultimate one has two things I don't care for as much. It makes the whole game like lose that dark, grimy atmosphere a bit because it's mm-hmm. it's brightened everything up, which that's fine true. if you prefer the, the brightened stuff, but the atmosphere of that game was very horror-centric, so it kind of yeah. takes that away a bit. And then two, they add in an entire new chapter of the game that was on the PC edition only, which is great to have more content, but to me... That is the weakest chapter of the game and kind of ruins the flow a bit. You have to do this really corny Brumac boss fight, and it just isn't as good. So I play the original. That's definitely fair. I'm definitely, like, the more the better kind of guy. But at the same time, you know, like, I, I played the uh, deleted chapter or whatever they wanted to call that DLC for Gears 2. Yeah. Where you guys have to, like, dress up in the yeah. their on-guard gear or whatever it was. And, like, I by the time I finished that, I was like, I don't I'll, – I'll never play this again. But uh, yeah. so I understand. I understand. But I, I did like it. I do agree, though. Uh, the the aesthetic, the darker tone, and everything that the original version had was better. That's a huge reason why I loved it. I love the music that plays in the main menu forever uh, engraved in my brain. Uh, just like a like the fable theme music and stuff like that. Yeah. So such good music in that. Um, God, curb mention- stomping was so satisfying. Oh, you guys, I, you don't know how many glitches I fucking pulled off in that game. Like I was, there was a one. If you, some of you guys remember, if you played it hard enough, but you could like legit curb stomp a guy, but have your character slide away because if you're playing a multiplayer, yeah, and you curb stomp, you're locked into that animation. Well, if someone's about to snipe you, if they try to shoot you while you're doing that in Gears One, at least nothing happens. However, once you're done with that animation, they can pop you in the head. Boom, headshot, you're dead. So you're kind of like. 
It's it, it's a risk and reward, yeah. right? Well, I would sit there and glitch and do the what I call the McSlide so, or the McStomp, and I would just slide away as I'm doing it, and I wouldn't even be pressing my foot down on their head, but I would still stomp and get the kill. Meanwhile, the snipe is like, bolt is flying past me, and I'm like, <laughs> you'll never catch me! Yeah. You know, it was it was a lot of fun. Gears Four was awesome, though. I didn't I didn't care for the story as much, but I was excited to see where they took it. I felt like it was a a good foundation. I liked it more compared to Halo Four personally, just in terms of where uh, the new studio started off and, and the kind of the footing, the momentum they had. But I still have yet to really play Gears Five. See, guys. the only reason I didn't mention Gears Four, Five, and Judgment is because you know, oh, God, which Judgment, is fine. We mentioned it makes bit. sense. But like when we're talking about games that are on the up there with Halo for me. It's really that original Gears trilogy that was up there with it, you know, like Gears 4 and 5, Judgment, I've had great times with them, and I'm, you know, I still value the series as a whole up there with Halo, but uh, it's just kind of like a lot of people Whoa. feel about Halo. You it know, just like, reminded me of my Gears 3 story. Okay, yeah, Real quick, me. I gotta tell this. So, when we were playing Gears 3, I wanted to play multiplayer right away. Typically, I want to beat a campaign first, then go into the multiplayer as the sort of reward, like, okay, I've beat the main story, I've taken in all the lore, now I can go in and fully appreciate this extra piece of the pie, you know, and live in that world because this is where I'm going to stay for the rest of my time in this game. So with Gears 3, I didn't do that. I played the multiplayer primarily first. Justin's typically the, my tag along buddy, the one I played that the most with outside of my friend Eric. And we played that so much, it got to a point where Justin would bug me every time, like, let's play a little bit of campaign. Like, Come on, let's play a little bit. And eventually I relented and we got Brian on. And oh, I know three of us are playing, yeah. and you guys, I don't know if you can remember, but you guys could set your own individual difficulties yep, yep. for when you go into it. Brian, if I'm not mistaken, was on Insane. We were on Hardcore. I didn't know I was on Insane. And he didn't know he was on Insane. So we're fighting on them Lambent. He keeps dying. Brian is dying. Like, what would have probably been a four-hour experience took us, like, what felt like eight. And... Brian keeps apologizing. He's like, I don't know what's I don't know what's happening. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And and Justin would start giving him shit. And I was pretty cool with it, but then we all started giving each other shit and stuff like that. Well, it got to a point where we started speculating, is Brian's difficulty higher? And we told Brian. Because like, I stuck I don't know so bad, it seemed like this Brian I mean, it was like I was like they're handing the control to the baby. Yeah, something was up. Something was fucky. So then Brian checked me. He's like, oh, 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 oh. You know, so he switches it, and then we beat the game like that. And then Justin never hopped on to play multiplayer with me again, <laughs> which is funny that I think about. It was, I don't think it was his, his, his master plan to finish that and then move on from Gears 3, but that's literally what happened. Yeah. But uh, no, Gears 3, uh, or I'm sorry, just Gears in general, great franchise. Um, I'll play it forever, no matter what they do and with it, And that's one of the honestly. things that, like, they bought, so, you know, I've, I had a little discussion in the Discord with uh, Joe and Wesley about how I'm more of a PlayStation guy now than Xbox, and taking that, going back to that conversation, Gears did so much to extend the longevity of my hardcore Xbox fanboyism, right? Like, Xbox won me with Halo, but then you get to the 360, and I'm like, wait, they just dropped another banger that's up there with Halo, Gears of War? So it's like, for a while there, when Gears and Halo were both relatively new, it's this alternating, like, Gears, Halo, Gears, Halo, and I'm like, oh my gosh, more Gears, more Halo. It's like, if I go to PlayStation, I'm like, uh, Uncharted and uh, God of War, but I want Gears Halo. But now enough time's passed, and they haven't really got anything more than Gears and Halo. And Gears and Halo's run its course so much that they're 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 so familiar. There's so many of them. It's not as exciting as it used to be. But man, back in that two thousand mid two thousands era, 
being on Xbox felt freaking awesome. Dude, yeah, it goes back to that burger, fries, and shake talk of just Gears, Forza, and Halo. That that's all yeah. Xbox has had for a while, and that I think people got people started to realize uh, in the Xbox One era that like this is all you got. That's all. You yeah, got. something like got to change. We've PS3, seen it. PS3 did not really have that much, uh, but then PS4 just but by, by the end actually, of PS3, I, disagree with that. I think PS3 had a ton of games. It's just the system. I mean, it had a ton of exclusives. I thought. I'm not saying it didn't. I just don't think they had that same kind of momentum at all. That they uh, didn't because of the system and the and their network. I mean, I love the Uncharted series, but I, I don't think it reached anywhere near that height until the very end of those two generations. The 360 and PS3, 360, it was just like we're just going to keep bumping out sequels yeah. and less exclu- less new IPs. Whereas PlayStation was the complete opposite. They're like we're going to pump out sequels and new IPs. Last of Us comes out and it's a banger. So then, but going our console, to PS4. our controller, and our online gaming network is as good. Yeah. yeah, but no, I, I absolutely, dude. Gears, Gears of Wars forever. Uh, okay, got my Josh, heart. I, I brought that one up. Give me a game for you, a series or game moment that uh, got up there in Halo with Halo mm. for you. Man, after after Halo, after Halo, ooh, probably. Man, it's it's, a, it's tough. I I, I want to say I'm torn between Mass Effect and Dragon Age, but I'm gonna go with Mass Effect. Because I've liked not that both more. For you? Well, it is in a way, but I've I think I don't think Inquisition was a good game, but I think Mass Effect has been more consistently good out well, of the Wesley three franchises. Wesley is dying right now. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's okay, Wesley. He's my rolling up Dragon the sleeves. Inquis- He's ready to bring. Bully Wesley's gonna beat your ass now. Yeah, um, I'm gonna get no. Inquisition's my favorite too, but yeah. So Josh, you go ahead and take this one away because I sure. love Mass Effect and Dragon Age, sure. but neither of them hit the highs. I'll try to sum sum through both of these pretty fast. Mass Effect 1, uh, one of my most anticipated games of all time. Um, Loved that game, Um, just at least waiting for it. When it came out, I had my expectations so high that game could not meet them. And I play it to this day. Hawes is going to kill me if he hears this, Uh, but I didn't. It's still hard for me. It's like I, I know it's good, but I hate how much is like focused on the citadel and it's just it, like all the ex- exploration all the the side content is more just um an op- like on, an opportunity on the citadel to give you missions to go there like it's just fluff in a way for me yeah. and it's still good side quests if you've done them but um it was hard i had a weird love hate relationship for that game for a long time because of my own expectations versus what it ended up being but it's a great amazing game with iconic characters i went into the second game with no idea who the hell was in that game uh, outside of, I knew from like seeing a trailer, I think, that Miranda and Jacob were in it. I didn't know anything else about that yeah. game, the setting, anything. I went in completely blind, and it's my favorite Mass Effect to this day because of it. Uh, great, like, I don't know what to call it even. You got this like Ocean's Eleven vibe, uh, this heist kind of vibe, and... Um, I loved everyone in that crew. I even loved Zaid Masani. You got as a pre-order bonus, which I hate when EA started doing that stuff. Yeah. They did that with uh, I think it was Shale was the the rock creature in yeah. Dragon Age Origins as well. But um, a great, amazing game, uh, amazing DLC. Jesus, uh, the Shadow Bro- Layer, the Shadow Broker was incredible. Um, Omega was incredible. Um, when I got to see Garrus, I could not believe uh, that's who I was going after that whole time. Um, Jack was cool. I mean, so many cool people and. Trying to get everyone to survive was, wow, amazing. Mass Effect 3, I had a real bad experience with launch simply because I imported my, I had a female shepherd and I imported her in there, but for some reason it was like, I don't know if it was glitched or what, but she looked nothing like my femshep from (laughs) 1 and 2. 
So I just couldn't play the game. I thought, I'm going to have to start all over. Like, I have no idea how to fix this myself. And it was heartbreaking to see everyone playing it. You know, you have that complete FOMO experience. But I got to go back one day eventually and play through it. And, you know, because by the time I played it, everyone had already poo-pooed on the game story, I was already prepared for it. So I didn't, I wasn't really affected as much, to be honest. Like, all the complaints are valid. I don't think it's anywhere near as good as the other two. But I think the combat was awesome. I had fun in the multiplayer. But the story was the most important. And I do think it dropped the ball. But I still had a good time. Mass Effect Andromeda, you know, guys, I loved it. I loved it. Me too. Hot take. Hot take. I absolutely loved it. What I didn't like, I didn't like the zoom-in camera on the NPCs that gave you side quests. Dragon Age Inquisition did that as well. Um, I'm sure that was some (laughs) that came down to development time and costs. But uh, that was a huge kicker to me because side quests in those games are some of the best experiences and they make up a lot of the game for me. But the story itself, it was way more corny, but I absolutely loved playing as Ryder, being a Pathfinder, and uh, just trying to discover new planets um, to, to settle on. And had a great time with that. Had a really great time with it. Dragon Age, loved the first game, bought that on a whim, traded in a bunch of games. I remember one day and just saw that. I thought it looked cool from a trailer. Fell in love immediately. I love how long that game takes to get you actually into the narrative. You literally have like an hour of your origin story, then you go to, I'm forgetting this one place you go to where the king dies, and then you go to a place called Lothering, and then once you're done with that, then the game opens up and says, where do you want to go? But you have to go through all these pit stops first, and I absolutely loved that for just pacing and exposition. felt like a huge game. I loved the combat. Went into Dragon Age 2, didn't like it as much. Um, but I still had fun with Hawk. I, I loved a lot of the characters in there. Um, shout out to Alistair from Origins, by the way. I loved his character, but... Uh, Dragon Age 2 was still fun. It was just like, it's Mass Effect. If, if Dragon Age was Mass Effect. Yeah. And uh, then you go into Inquisition. And look, I loved how Inquisition looked. Looked beautiful. Um, I do like that Frostbite engine visually, but knowing how much of a pain that is and how many bugs that causes and um, how that affected development, it's hard for me to kind of like it in retrospect. But uh, it, it's a good game. It just feels, it feels quite short. And it is really weird to me that... Corypheus is the antagonist for those of you guys who hasn't played who haven't played it and he is a villain in DLC for Dragon Age 2. So if you don't play that, you kind of miss out on understanding why he's this antagonist. He's just kind of Which there. I didn't play it. Yeah. yeah, so it's a different perspective. But I mean I like it at the same time. It makes you feel rewarded for doing the DLC. But um it felt like kind of reminded me of Mass Effect 1 where it feels like if you just focus on the main narrative, it's fairly short. You're looking at a probably under 20 hour experience for an RPG, which is kind of tough for me to swallow. But then, you know, you do a lot of the extra stuff and of course there's, you're getting way more out of it, but uh, I just didn't happen to like the extra stuff, but I'm very excited for dragon age four, um, the Dreadwolf stuff. Uh, and the DLC for that was pretty good. If I'm not mistaken, I can't remember the last one they came out with, but it was good. Anyway, that's my rant on well, dragon age. <laughs> I give my opinions on those real quick. Um, yeah. Mass Effect was a weird one because Mass Effect came out, Justin was hyping it up, didn't look interesting to me at all. I was a lot younger. I wasn't big into RPGs. Uh, When I tried it, when it came out, I didn't like it at all. Mm -hmm. And then it was really annoying in high school. There was this kid that called me the kid. There was this kid in school that called me the Mass Effect kid (laughs) because I mentioned Mass Effect once. This was like a sports jock. Hey, yo, the Mass Effect kid. Yeah. There was there was like a there was like he was like a sports jock kind of guy or or you know something like that. That's going to be an intro one of these days. He thought I was <laughs> he thought I was a nerd. Well, I was a nerd, but like because he heard me talk about Mass Effect once, and 
I just mentioned it one time. I wasn't even into it. I didn't even like the series, but I became the Mass Effect kid, so I was annoying. And then one day I watched uh, my friend Stephen Fuquay, who you met at the Fallout 4 launch. Yeah. yeah I watched I him play it. through Mass Effect 2 at launch, and I okay. thought that was amazing to watch. Had no interest in playing the game. Years later, I think it was 2014. Was he? I'm sorry. Was he the dude that you that Garrus died, and then he was like, yeah, I yeah, started. Okay, yeah. got you. Go ahead. Um, years later, I got into it to my into it myself. Really loved Mass Effect One. Really loved Mass Effect Two. Three was a slog. Didn't enjoy it much at all. Um, and then we get the Mass Effect Legendary trilogy come out uh, a couple years ago, and I replay through that. And honestly, and I know it pains Josh to hear. I played through Mass Effect 1, and I was just replaying it again in the Legendary Edition. I thought, this game is phenomenal. Like, Mass Effect 1, while I was in the thick of it, I thought, this might be one of the best games I ever played. Like, I am so into this game. Uh, And then I got to 2, and halfway through 2, I lost interest, and I put it down. So, like, 2, I would say, is objectively a better-built game, but for me... The way I look at Mass Effect is, it's a series where the best game in the franchise was the first one, and everything after was just not as interesting to me. So, I do. If I can make a footnote real quick, I apologize. I absolutely love the atmosphere of the first Mass Effect. Yeah, the other other two games games don't capture it. The score of the first Mass Effect. The other two games don't capture it. Um, The feel. I loved the film grain, the motion blur. Uh, I loved all of that. I loved the build-up. I loved how the game started. I just simply did not like how short the story felt compared to the other ones. And I didn't like that all the side quests um, kicked off on the Citadel, and it just felt like an excuse to get you to See, explore. You know what's funny, Josh, is like, and I think you're, I actually think you're like more right than me. I think you're like, it makes more sense. But one of the things you criticized was like kind of the pointless side quests of the first game. Yeah. And well, I wouldn't are, say they're pointless. They well, were okay. very good. They were very well, good. Well, but a lot of the traveling to planets was point. I guess that's what I meant to say. The planet traveling was very bland. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's weird because everything you do in Mass Effect 2 is high quality and none of it's bland. But I prefer Mass Effect 1 because it felt so more, it felt much more like alien and mysterious. It felt like I was traveling on unknown planets. Now, not too much happened of interest and they all looked very similar a lot of times. Okay. This is going to sound weird, but you could tell me if you disagree. When I think, because I, I do agree with that. I like Mass Effect like, 1 was like early No Man's I, Sky. <laughs> well, I feel like when I play Mass Effect 1, if, I'm, if I want to compare it to the Alien franchise, just because this is what comes to mind, it's like Prometheus for me. It's very mysterious, very strange. You're like, what is all this? But then you play Mass Effect 2, it's very Aliens-like. Just in the sense of it, it's got a completely different vibe to it tonally. and. Yeah. It's it's a lot more gritty in a lot of ways, yeah. whereas the first one kind of has its own mystery and, and stuff like that. But no, I mean it's it, look the the thing is is as great as the second game is, it sacrificed the Uncharted worlds. You go to un, quote unquote Uncharted worlds, but, but it's all they are is like literally just like a little like base you might be in or something like yeah. that. There's no dialogue. You just go in and you do something. Those suffered. That suffered a lot. And obviously they couldn't do everything. But and there's you know, no it, there's no uh, what do you call it the thing you drive. Oh, Mako. Mako. And I, I didn't mind it. I mean, I I got so much nostalgia of climbing over all those mountaintops and stuff yeah. and just trying to do that rather than go all the way around to collect an anomaly or something. But, dude, that had great side quest in there. I, I just it, it sucked because when you got on all those bases, I thought, man, it might be cool to land on a planet that's very exotic or something. And, and we're like, this one's an icy tundra, but here's some crazy cave. You know, want to play Mass Effect 1 again right now. Yeah, well, that's Ooh. good. But instead, you, you, you land and, and there's either like a, a base. 
or it's a mining base and they had like the same copy paste design every time. And then plus you go in, I mean, I think this got fixed in the legendary edition. I can't remember, but like the characters, the, the AI, if they were biotic, they would just spam push and lift and everything. Yeah. And you would just hear people repeat, I will destroy you over and over. And it got old, but you know what? It was an, amazing. Hey, I have, I have Mass Effect one and two in my top games of all time. So there two, two is amazing as well. It's just one, one sucks me into the universe in a way that the others don't. Like two, I'm like, I'm playing a really good game. One, I'm like, I am living Mass Effect right now. So. Well, and I had a great twist too. You know, Caden or Ashley. I mean, I, I know what most people went with at the time, but I mean, it was great twist in gaming. Yeah. Uh, so absolutely. It's it. funny though, because like as an adult now, like, I mean, I was, you know, I was almost an adult when I played it the first. No. Well, yeah, I guess the first time I played <laughs> We're having I was, trouble remembering ages today on the but podcast. But it's what's funny is the first time I didn't really think anything bad of Ashley at all. But oh, then yeah, older same. I'm like older I'm like, oh she's racist as shit. Holy yep. oh my god. Yep. <laughs> cool. When I was younger well, it's cause you're you know She's a woman. Straight men. She's she's an attractive woman, ah, and you, yeah. that's all you see as a young teenager uh, playing this game, and you know that it's got new scenes, and you're like, okay, I want to get to that romance, but yeah, then you play it in retrospect, and everything she brings up is like super racist. Like, yeah, screw like, those aliens. Uh, I, I like you know, them. and I haven't, <laughs> I have not um, really gone through again on the uh, legendary edition for a full replay. But whenever the day comes that I do that. I will, this will be the first time I'll have ever saved Caden, and I'll be so happy to. You know what sucks, I love Raphael Sabarge. I thought that Sabarge. last time I played it, but every time I get there and I look at Ashley, how cute she is, I just let Caden die. <laughs> not me this time. I'm not I'm not falling for it. I'll <laughs> sit for Miranda in the next game with the Super Booty 3000, but oh I'm not going to do that for... Uh, oh, my gosh. not going to do that for... Uh, that was a Ashley. rough time for kids go, for uh, teenagers going through hormones, and they, they were watching Chuck and playing Mass Effect 2. Whew! Mass Effect 2 and Chuck are forever like connected in my mind, not just because of Yvonne Strahovski, but because I literally was playing Mass Effect. At the same yeah. time, I would watch episodes of Chuck and eat yep. Subway because Subway was their sponsor. Yeah, you so got it was, to. That was my show. Burgers Fry shake of that uh, gaming. Like, you want to support the Sacred Icon podcast? You go to patreon.com slash sacred icon. You want to support Chuck? You go to subway.com. <laughs> That's good, Brian. I like that. That's really good. That's really good. Great uh, games, though. In okay, Mass Effect but, 1. Let me touch dope. on Dragon Age real quick. So we yeah, can go, go on for the next it. One. Uh, Dragon Age. Really interesting for me, right? Because Dragon Age, I had no interest in it. I hated the combat. I hated... I just was not interested in it. Well, Josh is like... But I saw Inquisition was coming out. I'm like, Josh, I want to play Inquisition. He's like... Josh like, Brian, you got to play the first two. I'm like, okay, fine. So I played Dragon Age 1, and I hate every moment of gameplay. It is abysmal to me. I'm, I'm no fun only, at all. Let me all. know if you guys like it, please. <laughs> no fun at all. That's my I favorite. Playing it. Yeah. But the Fair. Dragon Age world and characters and dialogue and story and quests was enough to get me through it, okay? Dragon Age 2, I get it. I'm like, well, at least the game's half-ass fun to play now. Like, at least it's a little bit <laughs> you of traded, fun to play. You traded the gameplay. But for... then, <laughs> but the, but the know, gameplay, crappier corridor fighting. Yeah, it was corridor fighting. It wasn't as in-depth, and it was all on Kirk, Kirk Wall, and it just Ugh. wasn't as good. So I'm like, okay, so by the time I finished Dragon Age 1 and 2, I'm like, okay, I've got these out of the way so I can enjoy Inquisition. But those those were you know at really high highs. Remember the but, DLC had Felicia Day in it. That was dope. Yes, I played that too. So then Inquisition comes out, and it's bloated with all these ridiculous MMO like side quests. And leave the hinterlands. Yeah, and and MCC just came out. And even though it didn't work, I was playing the campaign and stuff. Uh, so when I finished Dragon Age Inquisition, my mindset was, well, that wasn't really worth my time because I didn't really I I hated so much of all three of those games. Well, then you fast forward to, it was either a year, last year or the year before, 
for some odd reason, I got a hair up my ass to play Dragon Age Inquisition again. So I popped in Inquisition, and I got lost in the world of Inquisition. I played through the whole game, played through the DLC. I, I didn't finish the last DLC, which sucks. I need to go back to it. But I just hooked me, and I became a big fan of Inquisition. Just a different mindset, a different age. So now I just look at it as Dragon Age Origins, amazing story and characters. Dragon Age 2, eh, it's there. And then Dragon Age Inquisition, that's the one I really like. But all in all, Dragon Age, neither Dragon Age or Mass Effect got up to the Halo level for me. Mass Effect came a lot closer, but they're both just great series that I'm still glad are around. So anyways, unless you have something else to say, Josh, I'll go on to the next series. No, I, next I, love, series the, I love those series. That got up to Halo level for me was the Batman Arkham games, right? Uh, I'm glad you brought this, that up. Yeah, told this before. Uh, we did an Arkham episode a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, my little brother, my parents wanted to buy him a video game because he's you know my youngest brother. And they're like, we're going to give him a Batman game. So they bought him Batman Arkham Asylum. Well, I thought nothing of it. I thought, you know, usually back in the day, I mean, things have changed now. Back in the day, it was like if somebody bought a superhero game, I'm like, well, it's probably shit, right? Like if all superhero games are usually crap. So they bought him Batman Arkham Asylum. I'm like, I'm never going to play that. I don't care. It's crap. Well, then one day I'm over at Justin's house and Justin's like, that Batman Arkham Asylum game is actually really good. I'm like, like actually good? Or like just okay for a superhero game? He's like, no, it's like good and je- like exceptional just as a game. And I'm like, sure. Really? He's like, I was like, my brother has it. He's like, you should play it. So I brought it over to Justin's house and I played it. And it wasn't long into Arkham Asylum. I was completely blown away and hooked and just lost in that game. And it became something I played over and over and over again. I could not believe how much I liked Arkham Asylum. It was up there with the Halo level. And, of course, I waited at midnight for uh, for the uh, Arkham City, which was funny because I went to the midnight alone there, and there was a guy dressed up like like uh, Scarecrow who looked just like the Scarecrow from the game. It was badass. But then next to him was a guy dressed up like Joker, and this guy was probably 300 pounds. And it was like he did a good job dressing up, but I'm like – He's walking around doing a really bad Heath Ledger impression, and he's really overweight, and I'm just like, I like my game now, you know? Um, you just want to get out of there. <laughs> but yeah. uh, uh, it was just kind of, it was very, it was very, uh, it was a very sweaty neckbeard uh, um, uh, midnight l- release for that one. But uh, anyways, so I got Arkham It's City. interesting, the, the little uh, anecdotes we remember from these midnight launches. I, can yeah. re- I remember from the Halo 3 one, some kid going, I like turtles. And I looked at my, I looked at my friend Nate that I was in line with, and I'm like, I want to get my game right now. Yeah, let me leave. Um, but uh, so I got Arkham City. Loved Arkham City for a long time. I liked it better than Asylum. Now I'm back to Asylum again. Uh, a couple years later, they uh, different studio releases uh, prequel Arkham Origins. Got that. A lot of people mm. didn't like it. Mm. I was super impressed day one. Day oh, one, underrated. I thought underrated. it was so good. So good. good. Now it's one of those things where people are starting to appreciate it now, but. I will say I was there someone at launch we were there at that the thought beginning. it was good well, to begin with. I was there when I first played it, at least. Yeah, yeah, before it was cool. Um, so I loved those games. Then I was hyped through the roof for Arkham Knight. And pro and con here. Pro is uh, Arkham Knight came out, really phenomenal game. Uh, good, just a good game. And it's something I still replay to this day. Con was I was really hyped for it. So I was pretty let down by some of the story choices and the overabundance of the Batmobile and no real boss battles. So that was kind of a disappointment. But anyways, Arkham, those Arkham games, it's something I replay just like I replay Halo. Uh, the story, the characters, the combat, the the atmosphere, especially Arkham Asylum's atmosphere was just like, to me, that is like the quintessential Halloween game. Love playing it. Oh, yeah. Um, so well, the Arkham games, Arkham games are up there. Are the Arkham games, they're not up there for you in the same way, right? No, but I do love Origins and Asylum, especially Asylum. So I got a lot of love for that. Uh, 
Asylum was amazing. I, I'm a huge Batman fan. Uh, Catwoman's always been my favorite comic book character outside of Spider-Man, really. So I uh, was really excited for that game just to be in that world. Loved how like non-open it was because of just Batman's history before in the past. So I was really... Uh, it was really... I don't know. I don't have time to go into all of it, but I loved how condensed the game felt because I felt like everything was quality. I, you know, being able to fly around in certain moments, you still got moments with the Batmobile. I remember like it's more of a cutscene kind of thing anyway, but still you pretty get to damn cool. the Batmobile from thugs. Yeah. I mean, Mark, Mark Hamill, Kevin Conroy. I mean, you know, so many others that reprised their roles and stuff like that. Um, God damn. I mean, I just, so much was incredible. There's the moment in the morgue where you like see your, I think it's mm. like the scarecrow, like, uh, I can't fake out. He animates your parents' bodies. Oh yeah. You. Then you're like walking as a kid at one point, and I mean, and, and just finding all the collectibles. I don't want to spoil it. For, I mean, I'm sure you guys have all played it, but uh, there's the mystery with the warden. You end up finding out yeah. he's not really the warden, and I loved that. Uh, God damn, good game. Harley Quinn was like she had my heart for one game. Now I can't stand the character. <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, in Arkham City, I, I don't like it personally, guys, because I just you know look. I, I know I'm in the minority. I know I'm wrong. Apparently, but. You know, to me, it was like when I played that game, I was like, well, I know a lot of people would say that at least. I think if you said that City was an objectively bad game, I'd say I think you're wrong. But I don't think it's objectively bad, but I don't think it's like high up there. Like, I'd probably give it a seven. I'd probably give it a seven out of ten. But it's more so just because it's like, well, you guys clearly have the resources to do a city. Why did you not just do Gotham City? Instead, you're like, what became Arkham Knight? Yeah. Yeah, you exactly. haven't played that yet, have you? No. However, the reason play. why is because I did... Re- okay, so like two years ago, yeah, it's during the initial pandemic, I went and played through the both the Telltale series. Loved the first one. Highly recommend that. And then I moved right into Arkham Asylum. Beat that. Moved right into Arkham City. And beat that story. However, I got stumped because my OCD kicked in. I wanted to do all the Riddler trophies for that. Yeah. I knew, and I know for a fact, I will never do all those in Arkham Knight, but I wanted to do them to get the secret cut scene in Arkham City, and I also was going to move on after and do that Harley Quinn's DLC, yeah. but that's all I need to do. I need to go back on, just get myself through it, and get to Arkham Knight. When I see Arkham Knight, looks like one of the best games still to this date, uh, just yeah, graphically. Yeah, looks. Looks, yeah. looks incredible. I could see, and honestly, Josh, like, I, I really don't know which oh, way you're going to go on it. Arkham Origins is incredible. I could see you... I could see you going either way. It's really hard to tell. I could see you be playing Arkham Knight and be either being like, man, the Batmobile really killed that game. This is this is the worst one for me. But I could also see you being like, Arkham Knight's the best one in the series. Well, the thing I'm most curious about to experience is the whole uh, Joker showing up as like an apparition, basically. Like that yeah, whole just concept. in his mind type thing. Yeah. Like, I think what's I, I really going to sell it for you explored. is Arkham Knight delivers the promise of like open world Gotham City, go where you want as Batman. Yeah. Like it really pulls that off really well. And in retrospect, I mean, I respect them for building up to that. You know what I mean? It's like that's yeah. why I love Asylum because it's such a more condensed story that mm-hmm. there's more quality than quantity there rather than starting out trying to have it all together. So. Yeah. But Origins is great too. Love that series. Brian's, it's crazy. We both love Batman, but we love different aspects of Batman. Like Brian's more into the Nolan trilogy of Batman films. I'm more into some of the other Batman films, although I love those too. Well, that's fair too, but I would actually say the the animated series slash oh, games yeah. is my number one. Oh, that's where we definitely like meet in the middle on for sure. Yeah. yeah. But no, I mean, but uh, you're the biggest fan of those games that I know. So, man, every time I see those, I always think of Brian guys. So, yeah. Great it's one. too bad about Gotham Knights. 
<laughs> I just had a friend tell me that it's not too bad. It's not. Yeah, too bad. I was never interested in it to begin I, with. Even if it got good scores, I wasn't going to buy it. No, it wasn't in either. Type of game. I'll, I'll tell you guys. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Brian. I'll tell you the one reason I, I know that we're both not interested in it. Although I'm sure there's several for Brian and myself, but the one reason we can agree on is because most of the times they announce a game and they say it's got four player co-op. Not interested. No Our interest, interest goes in the down. Shit, and the guys. reason why is simply because. Even though Brian and I do play games together from time to time, we like a narrative that's crafted, crafted to single player, single experience. player, at most two player. But kind of like that's why we love the Halo campaigns because it's like they're just sort of there, but this it's not like actually, a narrative. This is what's needed. the most bizarro thing ever, and I'm not even spoiling Josh because he already knew this. Just, just bear with me for a moment here. In Arkham Knight, the game ends with Batman supposedly dying. Gotham Knights picks up after he's died, but it's not set in the same universe as Arkham Knight. Explain yeah. that shit to me, WB. That's the DC. <laughs> it's like the same say, engine DC. and the same style, and it picks up after Bruce Wayne's died, which is the last thing that happened in Arkham Knight, but they're not set in the same timeline or universe. I don't know, man. DC's all over the place. They toss balls what in the, the air. The animated films are amazing, so yeah. but yet they're live-action struggle, even though I love them. But, hey, you know what? Great series. Great okay, series. Josh. Give me another one. Do you have Yeah, I got one, one more. I, I got one more. more. So, oh, you got two you got more? more? Okay. Okay. Well, I, I can go. I can go more, but I at least. Well, we, yeah, we're good. We're gonna. I'll try to skim through this because this one you won't have as much to go off on. So, uh, Uncharted is my next one. That's up there uh, with Halo for you. It is up there nice. with Halo for me. I okay. know. Uh, I really, really love Nathan Drake, and he's probably like. In, in ter- if you were to ask me, like top three gaming mascots, Nathan Drake's in there. I, I Master nice. Chief would probably still be number one, but Nathan Drake is. Uh, he's probably number three. Garrett would be number two. Shit, I have three. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Go on, John. But um. I, I love the Uncharted series. You know, I, I went and uh, I got a, I was gifted a PS4 in late uh, Christmas of 2017, and I got it like a gift card for a bunch of stuff. And they had the Nathan Drake collection on sale. They had number four on sale, so I just bought all of it. And then I was waiting on Lost Legacy to go on sale. I played through each one of those. You know, Uncharted. This I'm telling you guys, if there was ever a franchise Brian has not played that he will fall in love with, this is the series that I would bet all my money on. A lot of times I'm wrong on this stuff. But this is the one I feel most confident in. The problem is the first one's super dated. It really doesn't hold up well. The story's fine, but it's it really doesn't hold up well. But the second one is a banger. Um, the third one is fine. You know, it's like if you to me, it's like they almost kind of pace themselves out like the Indiana Jones films. Like if like people enjoy Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's what kicks it all off. Temple of Doom, fire, superior in some people's eyes, and then uh, the Last Crusade. Some people, that's for some people, that's their favorite. For other ones, it's like, well, it's good. It just doesn't hit the same high as Raiders or Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. But then you go into four, and I'm, I mean, that's where the comparisons stop. But uh, but four is incredible. Easily one of the best games I've ever played. Absolutely top five for me. And Lost Legacy was a great victory lap. It's not to undersell how amazing that game is in and of itself, but it's a much more condensed, much more shorter experience. But I absolutely love those characters and I loved the movie. Even I'm, dude, I eat that I game's ass any and day I of the mean, week. I have nothing bad to say about the games. I just they haven't hooked me because I've only played the first one and it's you know I got halfway through it and halfway through the first one I'm not really a huge fan yet. But like you said, the first one is so rough. Yeah, and one of my favorite voice actors is Claudia Black. She voices Chloe Fraser in that, so that was amazing. I think she did the voice of Morgan in Dragon Age. So absolutely love. Have we listened? I don't Chloe think Fraser. we've listened to a franchise yet that's like. 
like every franchise we've listed are like big temple franchises that everyone loves, right? Like we haven't listed some obscure. It's not like Josh said, like although the one franchise to get up there with Halo was Buzz Lightyear to the rescue, you know, like. Oh, I got another one for you. <laughs> oh, um, okay, Josh, let me. I'll give you another one. Um, yeah, yeah, give me. Well, okay, this hear. one. Let's make this one quicker because you were a fan of it already, and we you touched on it a teeny bit already. But Elder Scrolls, Elder Scrolls for me. Um, when I got my 360, I was looking for a game to play before Halo 3 came out. I already said I got Gears of War and loved that. Another game I got was Oblivion. Brought Oblivion home, popped it in, thought it was one of the worst games I'd ever played in my life. I thought oh. it was garbage. Oh. I thought it was garbage. Oh. Then, like a year later, I bought it back again because I heard so much hype about it. I tried playing it, thought it sucked balls. Creighton tried playing it, and he really kind of liked it, but I sold it because I thought it sucked. Well, then Creighton bought it back. He's like, I'm tired of you buying and selling this game, Brian. I want to play it. So Creighton bought it. Creighton fell in love, became his favorite game of all time. Eventually, I get it a third time, play it. I think it sucks ball still. <laughs> I try it a fourth time. I think it sucks. One thing, guys, I have I will I will give myself my own credit for. I will stroke the ego on of one quality I have. I give things, I have an open mind, and I give things multiple chances. That's not just games. That's movies, that's like life, that's ideals. I'm very open-minded. Fifth time I play Oblivion because I've seen the Skyrim gameplay release uh, of what that game is going to look like, and it looks so badass. I tell Creighton, I'm like, do everything you can to help me. I want you to hold my hand. I want you to sit in a chair and hold my hand while I play this game. Get me into Oblivion. And I sat there, and I pushed, and I pushed, and pushed through until something clicked, and I fell in love with Oblivion. I fell in love with the characters. So you don't know your specific Eureka moment, but it just saw somewhere no, in there like, gel together. Like I got enough levels up. I turned the difficulty down a bit. I did enough quests. I explored the world, did some DLC, and it just suddenly the charm like, you know, started to shine through. Yeah, I was like, this game's clunky, but it's so charming. And I'm like, oh, Dark Brotherhood, oh, Fighters Guild, and it got me. And then of course yeah. I was ready for Skyrim. Got Skyrim, fell in love with Skyrim too. Of course, when I got Skyrim, I thought it was better. And then like a year, a couple years later, I go, you know, Oblivion's the one that I really love the most. But mm-hmm. Elder Scrolls, absolutely up there with Halo. I think a lot of people would agree in this uh, in this community Discord, uh, you know, the podcast, everything. Some people would agree. Josh, it's up there for Josh, for you too as well. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't include this guy simply because, like because we you were said, said earlier, uh, Morrowind was came before Halo in some ways. From, well, after Halo One, but um, well, I guess that kind of works. Yeah, but yeah, I guess that does count. But Morrowind was fun, but uh, I grew very quickly to hate that um, you know you would be hitting a cliff racer and it would literally tell you like your weapon yeah. does no attack or does no damage or you miss, and I was like. What the what is this? Yeah. But great, great thematics. Uh, loved the fact and stuff like that. I just loved exploring in that game. Uh, definitely opened the door for me for what open world games could be. Uh, it was sensory overload um, and taught me a lot. Oblivion, my second favorite game of all time. Uh, saw a bunch of people playing that um, on GameSpot back in the day before Let's Plays were really a thing. And it made me want to get the game. It was honestly my biggest factor to get a 360 even over Halo 3. I knew hey, I knew Halo 3 was coming, but Oblivion was already out. And so I needed to get a 360 to play that game. And fell in love with it right away. Loved all the quests. I love that every NPC has one specific voice actor per race. Uh, I think that I mean, and gender, I think that's hilarious and, and cool. It makes it iconic. Um I love, you know, fly, cliff race, so fly, so high, fly. And there's the other part of the song I always liked, but Josh was like, I don't like that part. That part's not as good. I remember you saying that, but then it, then this guy comes up and he goes, I don't know you, and I don't care to know you. Get out of my face before I have to stop <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Stop right there, criminal scum. 
You know, oh my god. No so crimes many, are now forfeit. Yeah. Pay the court a fine or serve your sentence. Oh my god, so much good stuff. Oh! Oh, oh, how's that oh. go? There's, um, uh, there's, uh, oh, how does it go? I want to get it right the first time. I don't want to screw up. Um, there's a monk that lives at Wayne and Priory. I can't get that part oh. right. <laughs> How does that go? Uh, he lives I, quietly as a monk who lives. Oh in God! Priory. I know what you're talking about, though. I don't know if any of you guys ever saw near the city of Coral. Near the city of Coral. I don't know if any of you guys ever saw the Chuck Norris and Oblivion videos. Those were iconic at the time on Machinima. And uh, I just had a. I, I love that game. It's atmosphere. Uh, Jeremy Soule, the yeah. composer at the time, he, he was in a near-death car accident. Uh, side note for you guys. And when he was trying to compose this music, so when he did eventually compose it. Uh, he tried to make music that reminded him of how happy he was to be alive. And that's why it sounds so peaceful and serene a lot of times when you're traveling. Mm. So very beautiful game. Uh, also had Eddard Stark in it. Sean Bean had Boromir in it. So A++, Patrick Stewart. I mean, yeah. so, I mean, goaded game. Skyrim, Skyrim's, you know, just as great, if not better in its own ways. But like Brian said, Oblivion's always going to be my baby. Yep. I love Oblivion. So. Amazing. Josh, give me, I got two more. There's only two more games. Okay, here's the thing, games. baby. I, I'll do go. this. I'll give you one more, and then you can get your two more in. Okay. I got plenty, but we could probably save it for another episode. You you really have that many games or franchises that go up to Halo? I got just you? a couple more okay. in the in the back pocket. I got well, a little couple. I more. mean, you don't have you can give more than one, well, Josh, but give me one now. Let's I go. Give you a little more than one. Okay, but right now I'm gonna go with brute force. Okay, brute dude, force. get out of here, dude. <laughs> I ain't gonna talk to you about this shit. I'm logging out. This is gonna become just the Josh show. I'm walking out. I was holding that one in the back pocket for so long. The begin- Give me a real one. Joe. You know what it was? It was is somewhere earlier in the episode I mentioned uh, what was it? Gears being the killer app. In the moment that word came out of my mouth, I was like, I know what the real killer app is. Josh, earlier, I was taking, <laughs> earlier I was taking a shit and there was no toilet paper, but there was a copy of Brute Force, and I picked it up. I needed something to wipe with, and I thought, you know what, my ass deserves better, so I just didn't wipe. I took a shower. You should have, dude. It actually feels really good with brute force. Mm, I bet it does. Yeah. You got a real one, sensitive. John? <laughs> Suck my ass, Brian. Let's let's see here. Uh, honestly, the Witcher series. Uh, got a huge fan of the Witcher series. Got into that way after. Uh, I do agree with Halls on the High Potion podcast, guys. He does mention quite a lot on there how it is pretty rough trying to play the first game, cool. and. Rough it with is. The Dragon Age Origins. Yeah, Creighton is the only person I know that has gone back and played that and committed. And you know what? Creighton did. Creighton was so, like, the game was so archaic and hard to get through. He got to this boss that he just couldn't beat because his character, just, just the way the game and mechanics worked and everything. Okay. He, he couldn't beat the character, but he knew a way to get in a corner where the boss couldn't get him. So he would fight the boss till his health was low. He had no more alchemy left. He had no stuff to make potions. He'd fight the boss till his health got low. Then he'd go to this corner and let his computer sit for 45 minutes while it automatically regenerated health. Then go back and hit the boss a couple more times until he beat the boss. <laughs> Crazy. Hey, go on, Josh. Commitment. Uh, you gotta I love, love it. The Witcher as well. But, uh, it's not up there with Halo, but I love The Witcher. Yeah, well, I... I couldn't get into the first one as much, but I do remember at the time when it was new, when it was fresh, it looked very good to me at the yeah. time, and I really wanted to play it. That was one of the few games that I was ever interested in that I couldn't get on a console. Uh, Witcher 2 came out. I tried to play that right away at the time. I just wasn't ready for it yet, mm-hmm. uh, but I could tell that it was an amazing game. I got it several hours into it. 
Um, I, I went for a midnight release to get that game, but uh, just didn't click with me yet. I was just waiting for that moment. Uh, then came Witcher 3 and uh, changed my life in a lot of ways. I, I absolutely Such love that game, game. And I hate so much. I tell this story. I've told this story before, but guys, I was my Geralt was an absolute womanizer in that game. And I feel so bad to this day because I put in over 300 hours into that game and it completely backfired on me before I went. In. So I, you know, there's the two DLCs. But I made sure I finished up the stories, the main story and all that before I went into those. Well, I'm so used to a lot of games prior. You know, this is back in 2015. I'm so used to other games where when you romance characters, something, something like Mass Effect, for example, makes it very clear. If you're flirting with two different characters, there will come a point when you are forced to choose one. So what I'll do when I play something like that, like Mass Effect 1, I would flirt with Liara and Ashley until it got to the point I had to make my choice because I would just get more out of the game. So I got more dialogue, more conversation, stuff That's like that. That's all it was. It, it really was, though. <laughs> it really was, though. But um, but then in other games, you know, like GTA 4, you can have multiple girlfriends, which is ridiculous and terrible and super dated now. But they didn't. you, you didn't really, like, the game never punished you, whether you were male or female playing, what you did with that stuff. Well, so when I go into Witcher 3, I'm like, I want, I'm going to play this completely one time, and I want to maximize my experience, so I'm going to do everything I can. So I romanced every female I could in that game, and then it gets to a point where I am tied up by both, by two, by uh, Yennefer and, uh, what's the other one? I'm forgetting her name, Brian. Help me out Siri. here. Siri. Not Siri. Wow. No, not uh, Siri. Tris. Tris. Thank you. Yes. And they tie me up and leave me there by myself, and... I realized how I'd fucked up, and I thought, there's no way I can... Like, I have to live with this, and I felt horrible. And for, But but it was good, because the lesson was, from that point on, I was like, you know what? I gotta start playing these games less as uh, maximizing the gameplay experience and more as, like, actual get, in, get into the roleplay. What would I decide to do? Yeah. What would I choose to do? Who would I actually be in this world? And that's changed it since. I've, I've played my games differently ever since. But amazing game. I didn't mean to ramble that long, guys, on that, but I love that experience. Um, I love Geralt in that. And I Blood and Wine DLC, chef's, chef's kiss, guys. I mean, what a way to say farewell, or so we think, potentially, uh, with Geralt. I uh, absolutely love that game. And, and folk, I love the combat. I loved exploring. That is a game, that is the only RPG I've ever played outside of maybe KOTOR, that I can say, you do not skip the side quest in that game. That game, you play it all because it all—it's all rewarding. Yeah, they. I mean, that's one of the reasons Witcher Three is so special. Is the side quests are all good. There is no filler. It doesn't. It never feels like filler. Um, amazing game. I, I've I've only played and completed Witcher Three. I love Witcher Three. I love the Netflix series with Henry Cavill, which is awesome. Oh yeah, um, so good. God damn. Uh, Witcher, Witcher has the potential to get up there yeah. on the Halo level for me. Uh, it's not there right now, but I do love it. I think it's mainly because there's only one game that I'm attached to. You know, one yeah. and two don't really matter to me too much. But Witcher's a great pick, Josh. Um, I have literally about 13 total minutes left. I can let this podcast go before I have to move. So I'm going to go quick here, Josh. Give you another one. Uh, the Soulsborne series for me. A completely unexpected one, right? Because I remember... My brother getting a used copy of Dark Souls 3 not too long after Skyrim came out. And I'm playing Skyrim and Creighton's playing Dark Souls. And I'm looking over at Dark Souls and I'm thinking that game, not only does that game look stupid, mm -hmm. uh, it looks impossibly hard. And I don't want to play a game like that. And I never thought I'd get into it. Creighton eventually got into Dark Souls, Bloodborne, all that stuff. And what ended up getting me into it is one day for my birthday, Creighton bought me a PS4 Pro with Bloodborne. 
and I played through Bloodborne, and I didn't think I could do it. I thought, I, this game's way too hard. I'm not very good. There's no way. And Creighton coached me through it, and I played through and completed all of Bloodborne without any help or summons, just completely by myself all the way to the end. I remember the final boss of Bloodborne. Um, the, the, I'll say for those without spoiling, the final boss that's uh, not optional, like the final one that you know the game intends for you to Final confront, boss. Uh, I was completely demoralized because I could not beat him. It took me days to beat him. I thought I was going to get to the end of Bloodborne and not complete the game because I couldn't beat this final boss. Finally did. It was the most rewarding thing ever. One of the best games I've ever played. The Soulsborne series, it has been such a love-hate relationship with me because I'll get in moods where I want to play it, but I don't want to keep dying. I don't want to keep losing. And I get so frustrated because the game's so difficult. I like to have casual, fun experiences. You know, play Halo on a lower difficulty. Play Gears on a lower difficulty. I just want to have fun. And if you just want to relax and not pay attention, you can't play Dark Souls because you'll just die over and over again. But, man, when I am in the mood and I'm kicking ass and I take down a boss, it is so satisfying. The story and the details Amen, brother. are so obscure and they're not spelled out for you, but the atmosphere of the Soulsborne games is unlike anything else. Soulsborne is absolutely up there with Halo for me now, which is if crazy. Steve's listening, he's going roll tide. It's crazy, Stay man. Right There's a time where I thought a game like Dark Souls could never even enter the conversation among Halo, mm-hmm. but it is up there now. And I value the Soulsborne games more now than I do contemporary Halo. Like, I mean, I, the old Halo games are always going to be up there, but the contemporary stuff, Soulsborne captures my interest more. Loved them all. I haven't. I, I haven't been able to get into Sekiro. Um, Steve from uh, from High Potion. If you want to try to convince me somehow, I don't know. Use your magic. But Sekiro, I was like not even able to move past the beginning. I was so terrible at it, and it just the game just wasn't clicking for me. That's the one I really haven't given a chance. Soulsborne's absolutely up there. Adore the series. What's great about this episode, guys, is, is I would love for you guys when you listen to this episode of the podcast. Look back at all the different franchises we are passionate about, we brought up, and tell us which one you want a full episode about soon. Like, do you want a full Witcher episode? Do you want a full Soulsborne episode? Like, we could do that. because They all things, deserve just, them. I mean, shit. We're I, just touching on. I'm not even touching on it in this episode, but Fallout would still be a part of that, too. Fallout's okay, because I love Fallout, but it's not up there for it with Halo yeah. for me. Um, but And then I have one final one. I got 10 minutes left, Josh, but you want to get one I got one final one. I can sum through it real fast. What? What? You got one? Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead. Garfield Kart Racing. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh, Josh. <laughs> That's the name of his series no. on Patreon. Oh, my gosh, Josh. Oh, shit. Uh, no, 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 I no, have no. I have more respect for Garfield than Brute Force. Uh, <laughs> fuck off. Um, no, uh, I want to give an honorable mention. I'm not going to go into it here to XCOM. I love the XCOM series. Uh, you guys really need to play those games. Don't, don't sleep on those. But the, the last one has got to go down to Shemu. Uh, big fan of Shemu. I've not played the third one yet, but I have gone through all of the first two, and the first one's just an incredible game. I mean, it pretty much gave uh, it, it gave Dreamcast a dead-on-arrival stamp because of just how much it cost to make, but that game was incredible for what you could do at the time. I love Ryo Hazuki, um, and I, I just loved playing that game and, and living in there in the world, you know, and, and interacting with the characters and... The soundtrack was incredible. The combat, it was it was very much a spiritual successor to Virtual Fighter. I always and heard Shemu 1 was like ahead of its time on the Dreamcast. Ryo Suzuki? I'm forgetting his last name now. What is it? What I always heard Shemu 1 was like had stuff in it that was ahead of its time on the Dreamcast. Oh, it was. I mean, it had a clock. Certain characters ate and slept at certain times. I mean, a lot of stuff. I don't have the time to talk about right now, but incredible game. The sequel was fun. Didn't quite hit the same high for me, but it was still great. 
Um, the third one looks fantastic, uh, but it's it's a time investment, and I'm just trying to get through some other games before I tackle that one. But too many good games. Love, yeah, too many good games. We're just listing time, the best of the best here, and we can't even fit them into an hour. But honestly, it it was honestly playing Shemu that really opened me up to Japanese culture. I think everyone has that kind of experience. If you're you know more of a Western gamer, you have that through either like anime or some kind of video game, like maybe Final Fantasy, something to that effect that kind of opens you up. And it was Shemu for me that kind of opened me up to. Um, different culture, even though, um, even though there's only been like two games that really just it kind of got me out of just uh, it was the first like non-American game I really played, and um, Chinese culture, Japanese culture, I mean, just all of it, just really it was it was eye-opening to me and, and pulled me in in a way that uh, made me more curious about things outside of my own like borders, I guess you know, yeah. of just my room and and stuff like that. So I've got a big fondness for that one. It's definitely like what I would call like a cult classic. There's people who are so big on Shemu. I'd agree. With they that. willed Shemu three into existence. It's a shame they did the anime. They did a lot, you know, an anime of that, and I think I got canceled after the first season, Aww. which is a damn shame. But uh, look good, look good. But go ahead, Brian. What's your last? Uh, one? Last one I got, guys. I got about six minutes left with you guys before I have to get out of here. Got something scheduled, so uh, we uh, hopefully you guys understand and you'll appreciate. We're not going to read the patron shoutouts today because I think you'd probably prefer more podcast traditional content than us we will get back minutes on that we're gonna get back to you guys make it up to you um the final one for me i saved the best for last the game that has come closest to halo it is number three in my franchises only behind halo and zelda spongebob josh get out of here um the final fantasy 7 dude final fantasy 7 Everything I've said, <laughs> I, can hear, I feel it's as if a sudden uh, thousand voices suddenly cried out in yes. joyous, joyous. Every momentum. game series I've mentioned on here plays a huge second fiddle to Final Fantasy VII: Gears of War, uh, Soulsborne, Elder Scrolls. It's all second fiddle to Final Fantasy VII. I'm not talking about Final Fantasy as a franchise. I haven't messed with that. I've only played seven, I, and I, I'm not saying I won't play more, but I only care right now about seven. Seven. Mm. Blew my socks off. I played the remake first. We've made this before. We did a whole episode on it already. Uh, Then I went back and played the original. I played the original twice. I played the remake twice. The characters, the world, the story, Cloud, Sephiroth, Tifa, Barrett, I mean, just everything. God Well, you got me kind of curious real quick. Uh, So, like, Shemu kind of opened me to Chinese culture, and from there it expanded into, like, Japanese culture and all these other different cultures and stuff. Final Fantasy VII, you only recently played, but I know you were a fan of Dragon Ball Z. But I don't know you to be too big a fan of, like, anime stuff per se in general. So, like, where was your... Do you remember what your start was for, like, Japanese culture or anything like that? I don't know what it was. But was it a game or Fantasy, anything? Or? It wouldn't be Final Fantasy VII. And then... Okay. It's interesting. Earlier, you said today that, you know, one of the reasons you couldn't really get into Soulsborne is because of, like, that Japanese influence. But the funny thing is, Soulsborne is popular because... Japanese developers made well, Western audience game. It's it's the same reason so. it's it's been hard for me. I don't know how to explain it, but it's the same reason it's been hard for me to get into the Resident Evil games. Like they're amazing games, but there's something to the way the gameplay feels and everything okay. that's just been hard for me to yeah. get into. But in terms of like like I don't really feel like a Japanese aesthetic. I guess or anything, Zelda or anything maybe like that. Zelda's Japanese. Maybe that's. I mean, well, I do like what I played of Breath of the Wild. I mean, you know. So I mean, yeah. But uh, but yeah, no. Final Fantasy VII though. I mean, it literally goes my favorite games of all time. It goes Halo, Zelda, Final Fantasy VII. Um, I cannot wait for the follow up remake, uh, second part, uh, Crisis Core reunion later this year. Uh, Final Fantasy VII, man. We we did an episode on it. It just blew me away with it, 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 the music, the characters, the story. I mean, it doesn't lack in anything. And, and in my opinion, uh, it's just. 
it's just one of the truly one of the greats of gaming and it surpassed everything I could have expected. I can't believe I had to get to it so late. Like I said, I grew up with friends playing it on the PS1, didn't care for it. Remake brought me in. The original blew me away. Um, Wesley, uh, Steve, Hawes, they'll all be so glad to hear this. I know, I was going to say, you get to the end of this, that was a mic drop, Brian. Yeah, this, this, I mean, Final Fantasy VII, man, there's just, you, no one can ever talk about it enough. I can listen to people talk about it forever. I I hear an episode from another podcast, uh, we talk about it, it's just... Dude, I got a coworker. Oh, that's the reason we did an episode like, about it. I'm I got a, a coworker who's I, I think in his sixties or seventies, I want to say. Um, and he was sitting there telling me about it the other night. We were talking about it, and I was like, you know, oh shit, you know, kind of like no way. Yeah, that was crazy to talk about. He was he was mentioning names like Vincent Valentine and stuff. I was like, get the fuck out of here, <laughs> Vincent Valentine. Really, dude? It just you know it tra- it j- like it's, it is it's transcendental, one of the most, man. It really it's one is. of the most transcendental games there is, man. It like in the story, just. The story was so resonant that it just never stopped living on. That's that's what that's what happened, right? Like people could not stop talking about that world and that story. So it just willed into existence, like the companion stuff, the Advent Children, the mm-hmm. uh, Crisis Core. The, yep. and, and the thing is, even once they did all the companion stuff, then there was the call for the remake, and then eventually the remake got made, and now we're in the second. Well, I think that's what's it. so iconic about it is like there's you plenty of other stop. Final Fantasies that people loved, but when you got to seven. That was like the stopping point where suddenly people were like, I don't just want another Final Fantasy. I want to live in, I want a sequel. I want Final Fantasy 7.5, basically. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. But, anyways, guys, to wrap this up, I'm going to give a final spiel. Wrap these nuts, Brian. No. I want you to hit me up with the sound of Tifa getting Cheetos. Careful. On her fingertips and then giving Barrett. A wet willy with him. <laughs> uh, I don't think she'd ever do that. But oh, Barrett, you gotta you gotta give me the vo- give me the voice of Barrett, Brian. Hit me up with the sound of the voice of Barrett. Can't can't I? Well, I don't want to do that. I could. All right, all right, all right, all right. I could look Barrett, bad anyway, if I do that. Anyway, anyway, Barrett, I got Cheetos on my fingertips. You know, and then he—I don't know. Shit, I got nothing. I haven't played Josh, enough. You're making it just because can't. everyone's picturing Tifa. It sounds erotic. Happy. It sounds erotic, make, no matter how I do it. You're making it sound sexual already. You know? and I'm like, uh? Josh, no. See, <laughs> when I started saying, "Hit me up with the sound of Tifa," when I said that, Hawes, he stood up in his chair. He's like, "Oh, where's this going? I, 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 think, I'm, I think I'm gonna like this. I think I'm gonna like this." And then I pivoted over to the Cheetos thing, and he's like, "That ain't it, Brian. That ain't it." And Josh made it sound sexual, anyways. But anyways, guys. The whole purpose of this podcast was to show you guys to talk about a lot of other franchises. A lot of other franchises that got up there on that level of Halo with us. And over time, you know, there's a time where like there's a time where if you asked me, like, Brian, what's as good as Halo, I would have been like, nothing. It's just Halo. And I see that so much in the Halo community today, and it gets a little irritating. But hey, it's fair. Everyone has their own opinions. But so many franchises have captured us that same way over the years. We just listened. God, there was enough for another episode. I was going there, through like my top fifty. Oh, absolutely. I was talking absolutely. to you. And I'm like, and, oh shit! And a lot of these franchises we mentioned, I would love to do an episode on them exclusively. Let us know if there's something that stood out to you. We already have a Final Fantasy one, but we don't have like a Soulsborne one. We don't have an Elder Scrolls one. We don't have a Mass Effect one. Well, we kind of do a little bit, but let us know, guys. <laughs> let us know what some of other, your franchises are that stick out and are Hello. up there on the Halo level for you. We loved being here, guys. Josh, you want to say one last thing before I get us out of here? Nope, just love doing this. This is fun. A lot of so laughs. Much always. Fun, Never we, know what we, we're we want to go longer, but I have to go get family. Yeah. Hey, hey, it's all good. Thirty it's minutes, all good. and I haven't this, taken a shot. This went longer than we expected, anyways. We, yeah. we, I tell you guys, it's 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 a, a challenge to just do it in an hour. Oh, Every time you, tough. if you see it's an hour, 
know that that it was it, it was hurt tough and it hurt yeah it was tough but no all right have guys fun well, doing thank this. you so much for joining josh and i on another episode of the sacred icon podcast and as always keep it sacred